Corinthians chapter number 8. So we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty uh, underline the word extreme poverty. Their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can teach on that for a whole year. For they, have, for they gave according to their means, so I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So underline this act of grace. But as you excel, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, all and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, before I continue, let me put this across. In the New Testament, there is no specific amount of money that is required to give. So, in the New Testament, it is not compulsory to pay tithes. Say, yay. Okay. It is not compulsory to pay first fruits. It is not compulsory to pay vow offering. There is no compulsive offering in the, in the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, they were supposed to pay tithes. They pay their tithes. They pay their first fruits. They pay vow offerings and what have you. Now, do we pay tithes in the New Testament? Yes. Are we supposed, are we under obligation to pay tithes in the New Testament? No. Alright, like I taught you, the best place to start becoming financially committed to the Lord is to start giving your tithe. But it does not mean that if you don't pay your tithe, you go to hell. Some people say that if you don't pay tithe, you go to hell. Now that is robbery. Any pastor who teaches that is only thief. Any pastor who teaches that if you don't pay tithe, see some people say God is using our tithes to build a mansion. Jesus says that I'm going to build a mansion. So your money that you give, your tithes that you give, Jesus uses that amount of money to build your mansion for you. So some pastors believe that they had a vision and when they went to heaven, they saw that some people's houses were not built. Some people were not completed houses. And they asked the angel and the angel says that the people whose house are not completed are the people who didn't give their tithe in church. They did not, they were giving small, small amounts of money. So this is how much their money could build in heaven. Nonsense. 
That's nonsense. When you hear those kind of stories, don't, don't believe them. They are thieves. Jesus, that they, in heaven, cement is not sold there. They don't sell iron rods in heaven. Jesus does not go, which car, which truck would Jesus sit into? Imagine the number of Christians in the world. If he's building a house for every single person, he's more than a building contractor. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the, the tractors and the excavators and what have you on the, in heaven. It doesn't make sense. All right? Jesus does not need us to build a house. If he wants to build a house, the Bible says that he spoke and it was. He doesn't need money. His words are enough to build a house. But you see, we don't need much. Jesus does not need your tithes. Not if God does not use your offering to build anything for you in heaven. He does not use your tithes to build anything for you in heaven. So somebody says, ah, I have to go and give money. Why? Maybe by this time, Jesus is looking for money to, to buy a roofing sheet. There are different kinds of Christians in the world. So he's giving money to another dream. What is kind of shed cement price? But we have 52 cities. No, I can't fight for a boom. I mean, 10 cement. No, I don't baby able to do one chalky or yeah, yeah. So, what about those who got born again and they died? They'll be renting in heaven or what? Someone said, if you don't give money, you they will go to the zongo of heaven. So, there's a zongo in heaven. So, there's a city. So, in heaven, we have places like maybe cantonment. Is Legon and what have you. Those are the people who really, really give money to God. And then those of you who come to church with coins and what have you, you're going to Zongo. You know Zongo. If you don't know Zongo, when you go past through Adreji, you see how heaven Zongo will look like. That, that is crazy. That is robbery. Is only thief. Do you understand? God does not take our money to build anything for us. No. In the New Testament, we give. Come on. We give because God first gave. In the New Testament, we give to support the work of God. But then there is no specific amount whatsoever giving that we should give. Now, if you want to be consistent in your giving, the best place to start, like I said, is to start paying your tithes. All right? In that you say that any amount of money that comes to my hand, which is legally mine, because you cannot use your school fees and say you are going to use, you are going to pay a tithe of your school fees. See, because I'm paying school. The school fees is not yours. It's for your school. That's why you call it school fees. It's a, it's a fees for the school. They give you money for water bill and say, oh, okay, let me go and pay my tithe. The money is not yours. Do you understand what I'm talking about? The place you can start is that you give a certain amount or a certain percentage of any money that comes to your hand to the Lord. Because... I will teach you in the last week the blessings of being a giver. When you give to the work of God, there are a lot of blessings that come your way. For example, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Some say we are all Christian. God loves all of us. No. God loves all of us with salvational love. Do you understand? He loves all of us and he has saved us. He still loved us. But then Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver. So if somebody is a Christian and is not a cheerful giver, does God love the person? Come on. Does God love the person? 
when it comes to salvation, right? Good. But when it comes to finances, Hallelujah. So, in as much as we don't have a specific amount or specific percentage in the New Testament, you can decide that because you see, tithe is part of giving. All right? First fruit is part of giving. Now, if you don't know what tithe is and if you don't know what first fruit is, I taught that from last two weeks. So, go and find wherever the message is and listen to it. So, tithe is, first, is, is part of um, giving. First fruit is part of giving. And all the other givings, as we saw in the, in the Old Testament, are part of giving. So, if we are talking about giving, it's not really about a percentage. All right? That we say, ah, oh, my tithe. My tithe. You say, no, no, no. Tithe is not 11%. Tithe is 10 Somebody say, tithe is 10 If you give 15%, still, you have not paid your tithe. It's 10. God's word says it's 10. Some people are serious. <laughs> say God's word says it's 10. Exactly 10. 9.9. God will not accept. 10.2. God will not. It's 10 exactly. Do you understand? Now, it is not in the New Testament, it is not necessarily about a percentage. Alright? It is not about a percentage. Now, we are going to continue the Chapter 8. Let's go to the chapter 9. Let me show you something. Go to chapter 9 verse 1. Say I'm a New Testament giver. Say I give with many zeros. Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is necessary for me to write to you. Now the ministry to the saints is that in the, in, in, in the early church, they gave offerings for poor Christians that were in Jerusalem. Are we together? So, the Christians who had issues, maybe going to school, they don't have anybody to support them, widows and what have you and what have you. They gave, all the churches will give offering and then they will send it to them and then they will be sharing for those who were broke. Today, those things, they don't really happen in our churches today. Because the moment we start doing that, we'll see a lot of people coming inside and broke. When they get the money, they will not come again. Alright, so that was what they were doing. Now continue, verse 2. For I know your eagerness and I will brag about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been prepared since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Let's continue. But I send the brothers to our boasting so our boasting about you in the matter will not prove empty and so you would be prepared just as I said. For if Macedonians should come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, will be embarrassed in that position. Let's continue. Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. Remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Continue. Each person, so this is where the New Testament giving comes in. It says, each person should do as he has decided in his heart. Not out of a regret or out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now put this in the King James for me. If you have King James, read it. Uh 
want to go? Every man, uh-huh. Every man, according as he has purposed in his heart, let him give. So, in the New Testament, giving is according as you have purposed in your heart. Now, the Bible says, every man. It means that in the New Testament, everybody is supposed to give. Do we see that here? Come on, do we see that here? The Bible says, every man. He says, every man. Say every man. Are you part of the every man? Someone say, I'm not every man, I'm every woman. <laughs> every man here, he's talking about everyone. So he says, every man, according as he has purposed in his heart. It means that in the New Testament, our kind of giving is a heart giving. It begins, first of all, with our heart. You need to have a heart to give. Hallelujah. Now, it means that if in your heart you have, not you have not purposed or prepared with purpose to give, you can't give. So, if somebody is a Christian and has a challenge in giving, that particular Christian is somebody who is suffering from a heart condition than money condition. The person lacks understanding. The person does not have a heart for the things of God like we saw the other time. So he says, every man according as he has purposed in his heart. So you ask the brother, what have you purposed in your heart? You ask the sister, what have you purposed in your heart? To give as a child of God. Now, so when you're coming to church, what have you purposed in your heart to give? See, so one of the ways to prepare for going to church is actually to purpose one one of the things, all right, necessary for the preparation for church service is how much offering or how much um, um, giving you are going to give in the house of God. Now, if you are like that, when you come to church, nobody will tell you that after giving offering, he says, you have to first of all purpose. Your giving must come from your heart. Nobody should be able to force money out of your pocket if your heart, if you have not purposed in your heart because there will be no blessings. The New Testament kind of giving is based on the condition of your heart. Come on, write that down. It will help you. The New Testament kind of giving is based on the condition of your heart. If your heart is not prepared to give, the giving is flawed. Come on, praise the name of the Lord. The giving is flawed. Now, do we have a percentage we give in the New Testament? No. I don't have to come and tell you that all the church, everybody give 10%. That's wrong. And I don't have to come and say, all oh, the church give 20%. There is no fixed amount. Are we together in this place? No fixed amount. Now, you are now going to decide that I want to be faithful to God in my fights. I want to be faithful to God in my maybe first fruit. I want to be faithful with God in this kind of offering. Do you understand? So as I'm communicating the word of God with you, somebody can decide that of all the money that comes into my hand, I will give 15% to the Lord. That is what you have purposed in your heart. 
Are we together? Somebody can say that of all that comes to my hand, I'll give 10%. That is what you have proposed in your heart. Somebody can say of all that comes in my hand, I'll give what percent? 70%. That's what you have proposed in your heart. Are we together? But I don't think any one of you here wants to say, I want to, I propose in my heart to give 2% to the Lord. It means you are even worse than an unbeliever. Because the lowest that the Old Testament saints, I mean, the, the, the lowest you can go is actually where they ended, which was a tight. So you can say, okay, I want to begin from a tight and go. I don't think you want to do 7%. What are we doing with 7%? I say the Bible says it's not about the amount. It's about the amount too sometimes. You understand what I'm talking about? So, what you purpose in your heart, it means that any time that you are going to give, you must give purposefully. Your heart must, must, must be involved. You must have the percentage or the amount based on your heart. The purpose of your heart. Hallelujah. Come on, are we together in this place? So if your heart is not involved, your giving is flawed. Even if you come to church and they have to wind you, 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 wind you before you give, the money may have been given, but you won't get anything out of it. Because what God loves is a cheerful giver, not a winded giver. Right? They have to whine you, whine you, whine. If you don't give, I'm telling you, then the pastors will concoct uh, false testimonies. I remember 2002. 2002. I sorry, America president, a friend who said, but America free. Concocted testimonies. They give concocted testimonies. Hallelujah. You don't, you, don't have, you don't have to hear these things to be able to give. Hallelujah. You don't have to let somebody say those things to you and be able to give. I remember there was a woman who was about to die. And then the God told me that I should tell the woman to give her house. The woman gave her house to the Lord. See, they don't have to do that to you to be able to give. The Bible says that as a Christian, your giving must not be haphazard. You should not be giving haphazardly. I should talk about that one of these days. I don't think it's going to be this year. I'll talk about why some Christians go broke. Why some Christians go broke. Number one, because they give haphazardly. Alright? They give haphazardly. For example, somebody... Your test, your 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 salary is four thousand Ghana cities a month. You give, you pay your line bill, you pay your water bill, you pay your, your I mean your food and what have you and all of that. All of that put together in a month, let's say, is two thousand five hundred. 
And then every month you are giving an offering of 4,000 Ghana cities. You still be broke. You'll be broke. You don't have to carry all your money. Do you understand? And be given so that you can be blessed. That's not what we are. That's not the New Testament. God does not want you to give and go broke. Yeah, you like that one, right? You don't have to. You don't have to give and go broke. Someone say, ah, you give all your money every month. You still not be broke. I'm telling you, you'll be broke. Because God still talks to you about savings. God still talk, God's word still talks to you about investment. Do you understand? Let's take, for example, your salary is 4,000 Ghana cities. How much can you give God? 4,000. You can, let's say, the best you can do is to give 4,000. But if I use the Bible to teach you on investment and you are able to triple your money or you become a millionaire, you will not be giving 4,000 again. You understand what I'm talking about? You can come to church and slap the church with 1 million Ghana cities if you are doing a project. But if you had been giving the that we are building a we are doing a project that may cost like 10 million Ghana cities. Here you are, you are bringing 4,000. What are you going to do with that? Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? So the giving is, is a purposeful one. You must have a heart to give. And then you, you must take away all emotions. Do you understand? Take away all emotions. Oh. Um, at the end of every month, this is the amount of money that comes to my hand. And so, I would want to give from 10%, 11%, 15%, whatever percentage, to the Lord of whatever amount of money that comes to my hand. That is a cheerful giver. Do you understand? So, he says, let, and, and the emphasis here, he says, every man. That means we should not have somebody who says he's a Christian. Who is not giving? Can I say that again? The moment you say you are a Christian, the Bible says every man, everyone. So say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Huh? Oh, giving. Oh, we have people in our church, they give. As for us, we are just, we are, we are warming up. No, the Bible says every, come on, talk to me everybody. The Bible says every, every. So in the church, who is supposed to give? There are a lot of churches when you go, the instrumentalists, they don't give offering. Because when we are taking offering, they will play for us. Cameraman, we are going to give offering. They are taking the pictures. They don't give. There are pastors who don't even give offerings. They come to church, they don't, they don't give offerings. Hallelujah. See, in the New Testament, Giving is not compulsory. Be afraid of any pastor who wants to get money out of you by all means. Anybody who wants to get money by all means, whether you have it or you have to bring it. Then they give you a, a quote. The moment you don't get the quote, heaven has rejected you. You are in a wrong association. In the New Testament, giving is not compulsory. Giving is not compulsory. Hallelujah. That is the New Testament. Now, but we must also know the Bible says that every man, so in the New Testament, regardless the fact that giving is not compulsory, the Bible says every one of us should give. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So the Bible says, regardless the fact that it's not compulsory, every one of us should 
have something to give. Everyone. So if you are in church and you are not giving, it means that you are taking yourself off the instructions of the scripture. The Bible says, everyone according as he has proposed in his heart, let him give. Not grudgingly. What does it mean not grudgingly? Don't put money in the offering bowl and go and ask for change. Better change and bring it than putting it here and coming for change. If I'm the one who is counting the offering, that day you won't get your change. It's sin for you. Change it before you are coming. I was telling them how to give an offering that you save. You can save towards your offering. You don't look for your offering on Sundays. You can save towards your offering so that you don't have to take, think and say, I can't go, for, I can't go to church because I don't have money. Mm-mm. Throughout the week, you can save for your offering. Imagine every day if you put two CDs down for an offering or even one CD down for an offering. You will not have to have a problem. Hallelujah. Come on, am I communicating here? Yeah, so every man should have something to give. When you come to church, Yes, it's not by force. That's why the Bible says you should not give grudgingly. All right? Don't be giving with complaints. The very moment you give with complaints, you get nothing out of it. It's better not to give than to give with complaints. When the man of God started this church, it wasn't like that. Just three weeks, man of God has traveled. Look at the way Pastor Rabbi is disturbing us with money. <laughs> it's very simple. You won't get anything out of it. It's better you don't give. The New Testament giving must be provoked from your heart. Hallelujah. It must not be grudgingly. You don't give money and be complaining. It is better not to give. Because you see, the New Testament is not about the cash. It's about the heart for God. Come on, are we together in this place? It's about the heart for God. Tell somebody, I want you to be a giver. So not grudgingly or of necessity or of a burden. Of a burden. Alright? Don't let giving be burden. See, if God tells us to do something, it's not because he can't do it for himself. Because he's creating an avenue for you to be blessed. Hallelujah. I am a dangerous giver. And I can stand anywhere to say, I'm a dangerous giver. Hallelujah. And I have seen the blessings in giving. Nobody can convince me otherwise. Hallelujah. Yeah. What did Jesus say? It's more blessed to give than to receive. There's more blessing in giving than receiving. Hallelujah. Come on, are we together in this place? All right. So he says that it should not be of, it should not, not gradually or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. So in the New Testament, what are we supposed to be? Come on, what are we supposed to be? We are supposed to be cheerful givers. Hallelujah. Now, what is a cheerful giver? The word is hilarious. 
Alright, the word cheerful is hilarious. It means joyful. Number one, joyful. Number two, one who is prompted to do. And number three, one who is willing. Alright, so one is who is joyful, who is prompted to give, and who is willing. So these are the three things. There must be a prompting. That prompting. And then there's this joy. And then there's what? A willingness. So for example, oh, we are giving towards this. There's this joy in you to give. Hallelujah. There's this joyfulness. It's not, you know, the moment you, the moment you complain about a giving, don't give it. Don't. You just give cash. You will not get any blessing out of it. The New Testament kind of giving must be joyful. With joy. Hallelujah. And a typical example. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. Let me show you. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. Alright. Let's go to 34. Verse 34. Acts chapter 4 verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands, houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. Next verse. And laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he has need. Uh Uh-huh. All right, next verse. Having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Hallelujah. So think about it. This was the New Testament. After the Holy Ghost had come and people were born again, there was the need for the poor people in the church to be taken care of. You see? And we're talking about, this is Act 4. So there's Act 2 and there's Act 3. Act 4, um, Act 2. How many people were saved? 3,000. We are dealing with over 3,000 Christians. And let's say we had about maybe thousand of them who were poor and we want to fix all of them in a business or something. Then this one goes and says, oh, I have four plots of land. I'm selling one. I have two houses. I'm giving out one. I have five cars. I'm giving out twos. I'm giving out two. I have this. I'm doing this. I have that. So when they got the money, then they brought it down with joy. Nobody, we never read that anybody forced them. So with that kind of joy, they gave. Hallelujah. Come on. With that kind of joy they give. When your giving is not spiritually joyful. If it does not excite you to give. You don't have a heart of a giver. Most often than not. People, people just say. Oh, maybe you hear Amanda comes to give a testimony. Or Esther comes to give a testimony. I give money. And God made. God gave away. God showed me mercy. God did this. God did that for me. And I know it was because of the money that I gave. And then somebody sitting there and say. Alright, that's the formula. Then the person also goes. Get money and brings it. And say, Father, as you did for Amanda. Come and do it for me. As you did for Esther. Do it for me. Nothing is going to happen because you don't have a heart to give. Giving must must be done without expecting God to do anything. Although when we give, God does things. The motive for giving is not for God. Hallelujah. 
we give with a cheerful heart. So the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Now let me explain something to you here. Now, the word loves is agapayo. Alright? And the root word actually means to be friends with. Alright? It means to be friends with. So the Bible says God loves a joyful giver. God loves somebody whose giving is not in compulsion or of necessity. It means that God becomes the friend of one who gives cheerfully. God is a friend of the one who gives cheerfully. What does it mean when we say God is your friend? It means that God is always interested in your case. God is always about you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? God is always fond of you. God always loves to see you. God is always close to you. God is always about you. Hallelujah. So God loves a cheerful giver means that God becomes the friend of the one who gives out of a cheerful heart. Come on. See the Bible says Abraham, I I don't have time. If I had time, I've taken you through the Old Testament. The Bible says Abraham was called the friend of God. And what did it do? What was the benefit that came out? You remember that Lot was in a city. And the city was full of wicked people. And God decided to destroy that city. And God came to Abraham to tell Abraham, this is what is going to happen to the city. That is what it means to be a friend of God. That when God seeks to do anything, the Lord will come to you to tell you. In other words, when there is an opportunity, God will announce it to you. You don't understand what I'm talking about. For the sake or for the fact that Lord had an uncle who was a friend of God, his life was spared. Do we understand that? His life was spared. It means that through the act of giving, lives of people around you can be spared. It means that through the act of giving, you can be a friend of God. What does that mean? God will unveil to you things. God will discuss with you things. God can bring to you opportunities that you don't or you have not even labored for. So look at people who are serious givers in the house of God. Not just in this church, all around. They always have crazy testimonies. It's like these people are always having a cool life or something. It's like they don't struggle for anything. Opportunities everybody's doing and it's like they are not seeing top. They just get in it and boom, it's flowing like that. It's a great mystery. Hallelujah. Don't be stingy with your finances with God. It's not wise. Come on. I say it's not what? It's not wise. Some say, ha. Huh? I struggle to get my money. I will use my money for what I want to use it for. God cannot even tell me what to use the money for. Ah, we know. We know. Remember what we, what we read in Exodus. God says, Moses, build me a tabernacle. 
And then God tells Moses the things he needs in the tabernacle. Some of it requires gold. Some of it requires diamond. Some of it requires precious stones. Some of it requires that. Some of that requires this. And God says that, all right, so I'm done telling you all that I want you to build. Now, go to the children of Israel. Go to the church members and tell them this is what I want to do. Any one of them whose heart is stead and is willing, let him give. God did not just say, just go and tell them. Mm -mm. He says, tell them. But anyone's whose heart, because listen, even as I'm talking, there can be someone here say, "Ah, okay, but did you not give in? All right, say Sunday we came to church, we'll close. God God forbid. So think about it. When, When I read that, I'm like, God is very bold. Somebody will wake up in the morning, go and wake Wake and come back and sleep in the evening. You are sitting in heaven. You decide you want to build a church. And you tell your pastor to go and collect the money from people who are working to come and build for you. Sir, if you don't have money, don't build. But anytime God asks something from you, He's simply creating an avenue for you to see him in a different way or to be blessed of him. Anytime the Lord asks you of anything. You see, let's take for example, a lot of Christians are like, and they are pointing because the Bible says there's nothing that we have that didn't come from God. The money that you are working for, when it comes to your, who created money. Come on. Even the, the strength to go and work. Who created that? Who gave you that strength? So there's nothing that we can have that didn't come from God. So if the Lord says, all right, committed to me in your finances, God is not asking you. If God says, pay him for what he does for you, you can't pay. You can't pay. You go to the hospital and somebody is put on, um, how do we call it? A life support. And a day is like 800 cities. You are breathing air for free. Sometimes you can't do. If God is charging all of us, born again and unborn again, for all the things we're enjoying for free, even Bill Gates, would, would go bankrupt. How much is one kidney? No, how much is one kidney? The people who go to sell their kidneys. How you find them and ask them how much how much do they sell one kidney for? Can sell one kidney for maybe five hundred thousand dollars. One kidney. How much will a heart cost? God gave you two. Give you one heart, a long intestine. He gives you small one and big one. Duodenum and colon. All of it are inside your body. You have esophagus. Esophagus is inside your body. What again is inside? You have a whole digestive system. You have a vertebra, ventricles. Nice, nice names. All of them are inside your body. So that you can function well. Go and ask how much one will cost. Do you know how much a tongue costs? Why do you think the devil is so crazy of if you need money, bring human being? Do you think the devil is so kind that he will give you more money than what you are bringing? No. 
So the devil knows that the price of one human being, there's no amount of money that is enough. Meanwhile, you are standing there. Every day, you have peace of mind. You are enjoying life. You are walking. You are coming. And I say, it's, not, it's my own money. It's not your own money. Look at someone say, brother, it's not your own money. Hallelujah. It's very important. It's very important. So in the New Testament, that is our kind of giving. There's no specific amount whatsoever, but that's our kind of giving. It must not be grudging. It must not be of necessity. It must not be a burden. Why? Because God loves. So it means that God can actually tell us to give, whether we like it or not. And he can tell you if you are whether you are burdened or not, give. But God says, uh-uh, I love the person who is able to give cheerfully. I am friends with people who are able to give cheerfully. Come on, hallelujah. Now let's go to the next verse. Second Corinthians 9. Now, next verse, verse 8. He says. God loves a cheerful giver. God is a friend of cheerful givers. God has an affection for people who give cheerfully. Are we together in this place? Why does God love people who give or who support his work? The reason why God gets close to them. Let me get somebody here. Come. Um, oh, no, no. No, you. I need somebody. Uh, anybody come. You two are a pastor. Leave there. Okay, come. Yeah, Chris, you two come. So this lady is not a cheerful giver. <laughs> this guy is a cheerful giver. I, I want to tell you something that is very powerful. Very powerful. These are opportunities. These are called all grace. These are all grace. But anybody that is able to get all grace will be able to multiply. Alright? Will be able to, first of all, know. So, these are all grace, right? These are all grace. Anybody who is able to get all grace. Let me not use you. Amanda, give me your bag. Give me this one. Hey. Wow. Is there a combination? You know, all right. So, so this is a cheerful giver. This is not a cheerful giver, and this is all grace. This is a package called all grace. Whoever is able to get this, all right, the person will be able to have all sufficiency. All right, the person will be able to have all sufficiency. And the word all sufficiency, hold on. The word all sufficiency is otakea. It means that a perfect condition of life in which there is no need of aid or support. So God says, I have a package of a perfect condition of life. But this particular package for anybody to get it. No, let me not run ahead of myself. So let me do it as I was doing. So, God, I am God. Alright? 
Now, this is a cheerful giver. This is not a cheerful giver. In my hand is a package that is called all grace. Wherever this all grace gets to, the, the, the recipient or the one who receives the grace or the all grace is able to have a perfect condition of life. All right? And that perfect condition of life makes him increase to every good work. So the, the package name is called all grace. The power of the package, which is the all grace, is that it's able to bring you to a perfect condition of life. And you need that perfect condition of life to be able to increase in every good work. Not some good work, some every good work. But this package, it takes a condition to receive because if you don't have, my goodness, if you don't have that um, condition or that energy, you can't receive it. Let's take, for example, if I'm giving this bag to somebody who does not have a hand, how would the person use it? It's a waste of time. So the way to qualify to get the bag is to have a hand. All right? So now the Bible says the reason why God loves a cheerful giver is that, because it starts with, he says, and God is able to make all grace. So the reason why I love a cheerful, the reason why God loves a cheerful giver is that God is able to make all grace abound towards a cheerful giver. In other words, one who is not a cheerful giver, God cannot make all grace abound towards him. Now, I told you something that when we give, we don't force God to give back. Or in other words, God does not need our giving to bless us. No. But our giving actually helps us to receive from God. So when this one is a cheerful giver, it means that this one has built enough capacity to receive all grace, to be able to have a perfect condition of life and abound unto every good work. What is every good work? Every good work simply means the work of God. So the reason why God is going to increase this young man for being a cheerful giver is that God knows that, ah, this guy is a cheerful giver. So if I give him this, or he having the capacity to have this, he will be able to do my work well. He will be able to increase in the work of God. But that is quite different from people of the world. The people of the world they don't need to get rich to be able to support the work of God. They need money for themselves and themselves alone. So their method is very different. Their method is called hard work, productivity and what have you. But there is an element of people who belong to God. And it is called God making all grace increase to you. Abound. So it says God is able to make all grace abound. God is able to make this thing that is able to bring you to a condition or a perfect condition. God is able to increase it on your life. So God will be increasing, increasing, increasing and then you will see that oh goodness, when they talk about this, I am there. When we need to build a church, I am there. When we need to support this, I am there. It takes a certain energy from the Lord to receive that ability to be there in every kind of giving. 
and it starts by being a cheerful giver. The very moment you are giving and you are complaining, the very moment you are giving and you are, you are giving out of uh, grudgingly, you cannot receive God's grace that is able to make you abound unto every good work. Come on, I have people in this church, right? Do I have people in this church or you have gone home? So if God tells you to give, God is seeking for an opportunity to make you abound in every, not some, in every good work. Hallelujah. So it means that if anybody is a Christian and has a problem of giving, the person is his own devil. Hallelujah. If a Christian, because, thank you, you can sit down. If a Christian has a problem giving to God, the person is his own devil. How are you able to get the capacity to abound unto every good work? By being a giver. In fact, by being a cheerful giver. So when you're a cheerful giver, God becomes your friend. It means that God now comes close to you. Then God increases or he's able to make all grace increase toward you. Huh? Look at that. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward. So God is able to direct all grace to your direction. He directs all grace to your direction. I don't know about, but I want all grace to be directed to my direction. Yeah. Hallelujah. I want to be directed so that it's not about how much I am laboring. Have you seen people who work very hard, yet they are not able to get anything out of it? Very hard. They work morning, afternoon, evening, night, day, and they are working, and, and it seems like they can't put the pieces together. Think about somebody else. The Bible says God is able to channel all grace towards you. Come on, am I talking to somebody here? All grace channel to it does not matter the level at which you are. When that oh oh makadovra satire. Let me read something to you. I love the word of God. Say all grace channeled toward me. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Samuel. Second Samuel chapter number 6 verse 11. All right. Now all of us let's read together. One, two, go. The ark of the Lord, uh-huh, continued in the house of Obedidom, the Gittite, three months. The Ark of the Lord. I feel like being prophetic. I feel like I feel like I feel like slapping somebody with something. Listen, the ark of the Lord 
continued in the house of a man for three months. And in three months, the same guy, the same work, the same activities, the output was different. There is something that can come upon a man. There's something that can come around a man that will change his life. Do you understand what I'm talking about? There's something, there's something, there's something of the Lord that can come around a person and the person's financial life will change. The person's life will change. It's not just about the money. Listen, the Bible says, and the Lord blessed Obedidom and all his household. Now the blessing was not just for Obedidom. It went into members of his house. People around him, their jobs started changing. They, 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 their, their financial capacity started changing. Their output started changing. Why? Because there is something of the Lord that has come around them. God is a friend to a cheerful giver. Oh man. I wish I had a lot of time for this, man. When you read this, the Philistines said something. When the Ark of the Covenant came in the midst of the Egyptians, the Bible says they started shouting. They started praising God. And the Philistines were, they are, um, they are enemies. They say, ah, why are the Israelites shouting like that? This cannot be anything, but the ark of the covenant has come in their midst. He says, who shall deliver us from this God? So wherever men, 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 wherever the ark of the covenant came to, the people would refer to them as gods. Now, what am I trying to say? God is a friend. God is a friend. God is close. God is close to a cheerful giver. God is a friend to a cheerful giver. It means that God will always hang around somebody who is a cheerful giver. And when God is hanging around a person that's a cheerful giver, what happens? When God is hanging around a cheerful giver, what happens? The Bible says in three months. It means that there is a change of status. Obedidom did not receive this so that in three months he will be blessed. No. He just received it. They didn't know where the ark was going after it had killed somebody. So he said, alright, let's put it in this guy's house. Then first month, the guy was like, ah, what is, what is happening? He's become a friend of God. God is now in his vicinity. God is now around him. He, God is now a friend of him. So there is a change. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. You will be a friend of God by being a cheerful giver. I said, I pray for you in the name of Jesus. You will be a friend of God by being a cheerful giver. I pray for you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. What men use days, years for, by being a friend of God, it will come to you easily. By being a friend of God, it will come to you easily. In the name of the Lord Jesus, it will come to you easily. 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 Hallelujah. It will come to you easily. Why? Because you're a friend of God. Shout, I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. One more time, I'm a friend of God. 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 I'm a friend of God.
to you easily. There are a lot of Christians like they don't, they, they don't suffer. Everything they do prospers. God is in their neighborhood. See, I vow to be a giver this day. I vow to be a giver this day. I want to be a friend of God. Because I know the blessings that come with being a friend of God. God is able to make all grace abound towards me. That I always having all sufficiency will abound unto every good work. How do you see your 10 years from now? How do you see your 5 years from now? Hallelujah. How, how do you see that? How do you see that? I set my affection on God. I'm going to be a, a cheerful giver. Come on. Say a cheerful giver. A cheerful, a cheerful giver. A cheerful. See, because when your, when your money goes to God, he comes to you. He comes to you. He comes to you and it affects your finances. So you can sit down. It affects your finances. It affects all the things that concern you affect the things. See, the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord make it rich. Ha. The blessing of the Lord make it rich. There's something of God when it falls on your life, you can only ascend in glory. You can only ascend in abundance. Are we together in this place? See, our ages now, this is the best message for us. It's like a godly hack. Hallelujah. Commit your heart to the work of God. Commit your heart to the work of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The blessing of God cannot be compared to a yogurt you are going to eat. Uh-uh. Except you are not interested. And I'm telling you, if you don't do that, one of these days you see some brothers and be like, wow, I should have, I should have participated in that message. Because there is a lot of blessing in being a giver. The Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. Tell somebody, God loves a cheerful giver. Look at the person's face and tell the person, brother, sister, God loves a cheerful giver. Ask the person, are you going to be a cheerful giver? God loves a cheerful giver. So he's able to make all grace abound towards you. All grace abound towards you. Listen, the Bible says, God is able. He is able. He has what it takes to make all grace abound towards you. God is not handicapped. He is able. Hallelujah. Now go to the next verse and then I'll try and wrap up. Then Paul says, as it is written, he had dispersed abroad. He had given to the poor. His righteousness remained forever. Then he gives the explanation. Verse 10. Now, he that kephalabatostasis. He's still talking about giving. He says, now, he that ministered, he that gives seed. Put a different version there. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower. <laughs> now, the one who provides seed for the sower 
and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed. Right here in the Bible. He says, now, he who provides seed, the provider, I, 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 I need a little time for this thing. He says, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food Shout it, I'm a giver. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower, alabastos, and bread for food, will provide and multiply your seed, not your food. The giver of the seed is God. And he is the multiplier of the seed that he gives. So he tells you the God, the, that kind of God that you are giving to. That the kind, if anybody tells you that there's no blessing in giving, tell the person it's a lie. The one that gives the seed and the food, when it comes to the giver, he gives the giver a multiplied seed. What is the seed? The seed is that which is planted for the food. Are we together in this place? So it means that higher. The opportunities will come in folds. It means that the opportunities, he's still explaining God is able to make all grace abound towards you. The all grace abounding towards you is a multiplied seed. God will throw across your path many opportunities. Some you did not even pray about. They will just come to you. Hayana nana Messiah. I know how to live this life. So God will give you abundance of seed. Abundance of opportunities. Abundance, 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 abundance. When you decide to be a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. When you decide to be a cheerful giver. He says, the one who provides seed for the sower and the bread for food will provide, will provide, will provide. He will provide and multiply your seed. Giving to God is an investment. Hallelujah. He will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Ah, you don't get it. He gives you a multiplied seed and he increases the harvest. I don't know what mathematical formula I can use for this. But listen, he has, let's say, two seed. Then he multiplied the seed to eight. So he gives you eight opportunities. Instead of two, he gives you eight opportunities. Then the harvest of every one of them, he increases the harvest. 
this is what God means when he tells you to be a cheerful giver. When the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Who is the God that loves a cheerful giver? It's not almighty God he's talking about here. Mm -mm. He's not talking about Jehovah here. The God that loves a cheerful giver is the God that is able to multiply seed and increase harvest. Come on, are we together in this place? You are working and you can't commit a 10% of your finances to God. You get money and nothing of God comes to your mind. Why? Because you worked and you have to get your own money. You have to. Brother, you are not ready for a bountiful harvest. You are not ready for it. You are not ready for it. So there are Christians, they are very poor. Very poor. There are even Christians who are rich and still have a problem giving. And you know how that is seen? The Bible says the grace that God is able to make abound towards you, it gives you a perfect condition of life. So it goes beyond money. The guys with money, they don't have peace. The guys with money, always something is wrong around them. The guys with money, it's like always they have to fix something. Always they have to do something. But when a man is made rich by God, the Bible says he has a perfect condition of life. I will not be rich and use my money to cure diabetes. No. My wealth came from God. Are you honest what I'm talking to you about? Yeah. I will not be wealthy and give birth to I was about to say something, but the message is not good for the message. <laughs> yeah. Like you have money and then the devil gives you one particular child. He's troubling you. You can't sleep. You are just, they say, your son is arrested. You have to, no, to can, no, I could, you have to, number. I did you, I saw you, I found it, 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 I you know, no. My wealth comes from God. It does not come from me. It comes from God. It comes from the multiplier of the seed and the one who increases the harvest. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. He multiplies my seed and he increases my harvest. My God. I feel like shouting this. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, after being a giver, Maybe you're paying your tithe correctly. You're giving correctly. When you get up and you're about to go to work, let me show you a prayer. Say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This morning, as I go to work, you increase my harvest as you multiply my seed. You multiply my seed and you increase my... <laughs> Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Father... You multiply my seed and you increase my harvest. You multiply my seed and you increase my harvest. You multiply my seed and you increase my harvest. Hallelujah. That is not my story. Because you see, my money is needed in the house of God. So he multiplies my seed and he increases my harvest. 
Hallelujah. Tell somebody, brother, sister, he multiplies my seed and he increases my harvest. Can, you, can we get a tree version? Give me a tree Bible. Give me a tree Bible. Because this thing will be sweet in the tree. Hallelujah. Who has a tree here? My tree lady. You didn't bring your tree Bible. Okay. Uh-huh. Fast. Second Corinthians 19. Nania Ode Abama Ugufuno. You can't. Nania Ode Abama Ugufu. Ne Abodo se Ebriano. Nia Ode Abama Ugufu. Ne Abodo se Ebriano. Bema Abama Muguno Adorso. Na Wamamotrini Abanoa Yepi. See, how is this different from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6? Put Proverbs 3, 6 there. Or 7, no, go to 9, 9, verse 9, sorry. Verse 9. 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Next verse. Then your barns will be completely filled. You see that? Your barns will be completely filled. Uh-huh. And your vat will overflow with new wine. If a pastor is scared to teach you about giving, he is not a pastor. Because I would love for all of you to be wealthy. So that we can even say, want to go and do crusade at the moon. And we'll go and do it there. Do you know what I'm talking about? And as a child of God, one of the ways to allow the Lord to multiply your finances and everything that concerns your life is to commit your, your money, your finances to God. Hallelujah. Where the 90%, you know, 10%, you know, so, why are you so wicked? You see that sometimes then you get an opportunity and you don't even have what it takes. You know Why? Your money is not committed to God. There are blessings in being a giver. Don't let anybody rob you. Any teaching that makes you feel like, oh, it's okay not to give, is from hell. Right from hell. No matter how much gospel it is, it's right from hell. Now, let's continue. Yeah, let's go to 2 Corinthians again. Uh Uh-huh, verse 10. Uh, Sorry, verse 11. I thought somebody would laugh. Put put a different this thing there. Put a different this thing there. Now let's begin from 10 and read into 11. He says, now the one who provides seeds for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Comma. 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 As you are enriched in every way for all generosity. Oh my, my. I need to preach this or teach this and slap somebody with this. Listen. He says that 
The one who provides bread, who provides bread for the eater and, and seed for the sower, he is going to increase your seed and multiply um, your harvest. You know, he's going to multiply your harvest and increase your seed. Uh, however it is, he will multiply your seed and increase your harvest. All right. He's going to do that as you are enriched in every way for all generosity. So God is going to make you complete in every way so that you can be more generous. This is the blessing. God is going to, God is going to make you enriched. It means he's going to make you, do you have Amplified? He's going to make you complete in every way. He's going to make you sufficient in every way so that your generosity can increase. There are some people, apart from money, they can't give anything else. There are some people, apart from wise counsel, they don't have anything to give. You tell them, so, okay, don't worry. But the Bible says, as you increase in the act of giving, he says that God will enrich your life in every way. So that you can be more generous. Your house will not be broken. Because God knows that that house with you and your husband, you can bring some adopted children and take care of them. So it will not break. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Come on, do you understand what I'm talking about? Your businesses will not be destroyed. Because God knows that the more he protects your businesses, the more you become more generous to the needy. So everything around your life will be in perfect order. Of course the devil will strike, but it will end up nowhere. I'm speaking to somebody's heart this morning or this afternoon. Make up your mind from this day to be a radical giver. Hallelujah. Yeah. Make up your mind. And like I told you the last time, it's not about having millions in your account. No. You can have only five CDs in your account and you still be able to give God one CD. And it, God is okay with that. It's not about how much money. Nobody is interested in you going to clear your account for anybody. I'm giving you a principle, a Christian principle for life that will help you. Come on, hallelujah. Put your hand on your chest. Say, I'm a giver. I'm enriched in every way. Come on, I am enriched in every way. Just lift up your voice. Don't stand up. Lift up your voice in the next one minute. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a, I'm a giver. So being enriched in every way or in everything to all bountifulness from the King James to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Now let's go to the next verse. For the administration of this service, it means for the, for, for the giving does not only supply to the need of the saint, the want of the saint, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God. It means that the giving does not just supply to the need of, of people, but it also makes people give thanks to God with your name inside. So think about something. Think about somebody going to his niece or her niece saying that, Father, I thank you. 
God, I thank you. I thank you for giving me this, answering this prayer. Father, I thank you. Oh God, don't let him ever be empty. That's what Paul is talking about. People will be mentioning your name to God. There are some people, nobody has ever prayed for them. Nobody. When they are mentioning your name in prayer, then your name is a Bible name. Hallelujah. He says that it also gives, it, it, it abandoned also by many thanksgivings unto God. Not, not small, many thanksgiving unto God. So your name, people are thanking God because of you. You are the reason why somebody is going to give thanks to God. Oh, Father, I bless you. Thank you, God, you answered my prayer. Oh, thank you, Father. Meanwhile, God used you. So, giving is an opportunity to be used by God for many to give thanks to God. Hallelujah. I say, hey, Charlie, this money is too big. Oh, it's too big for church. Because now KFC and we're the 350 Ghana. We're the four cities above. Hey, Kwesi Pebra. Let's go to 13. 13, do, do a different version. Through the proof of this service, they will glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with others. Next verse. And in their prayers for you, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God on you. So, they will be praying for you. Some say, we don't know, man. Pastors, pastors are always praying for people who give them money. The you there is people who give. Hey, right now, if you, don't have, if you don't have money in the church, nobody will pray for you. God told you how people will pray for you is to be benevolent. Do you understand? There are some things we should not be afraid to say. He's like, Pastor, if you don't have money, Pastor will not pray for you. If you are not giving, church, right now, church, except you are giving money, if you are not giving money, Pastor will not pray for you. Senior. God said we should pray for people who do us good. Here, the guy who had 200 Ghana cities in his account and still had sense that, oh, let me help the church with this amount of money, let's say 40 Ghana cities out of 200 Ghana cities, and you that you go to work and you are paid 900 cities, 45 pesos, and you don't even give any amount of money. Whom do you think that if pastor goes on his knees to pray, he should pray for? It's not partiality. The Bible says your gift will open doors for you. It's as simple as that. And anybody, listen, even Almighty God, Bible says he loves a cheerful giver. So he's close to a cheerful, Almighty God, he's close to a cheerful giver. Who am I? Come on, Hallelujah. God, God, God is a friend to a cheerful giver. 
Pastors, if you don't have money, you, you can't be their friend. God is the one who taught us. He is close to a cheerful giver. And this particular giving, he's not talking about giving prayer, giving money. Yeah, hallelujah. So the pastor, so should I bring you money? Of course, yes. If you give me money, why won't I take? It's money we are talking about here. Hallelujah. It's very important. It is very, very important. And he says, and it's not just pastors. So he's talking about anybody you give to. Anybody you give to. A sister is in the church. Or go school. Ni onya school fees. At a record, onya bin to. Ususu was scattered them. See, what is happening is that nobody is going to pray for you. When an issue is coming on you, it comes like that. I said, Nobody is praying for you. Yeah, it doesn't mean that if you are giving money to people, don't pray. Because there are some people, they can't even pray for themselves in the first place. But the Bible is telling you that as you do good to people, they pray for you. They say words of blessings over your life. Christ only will be an entire barrier. A barricious hand. You will not open your hand. Like those people come to, when they are about to give offering, they go like, They are looking for the position of the coin. Who is going to pray for you? With that attitude, who is going to pray for you? Somebody, maybe you are praying for, oh God, this person does not have money. Oh, help the person, help the person. Father, help the person. And I went to visit the person. And inside the person's house, I saw KFC. Pack. And I saw different kinds of multifruiters. The guy, they chill in the room. You are there, you are praying that God should... It doesn't work like that. Now let's finish the reading. Is that the last one? The last verse. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Many people just rush to put this on Jesus. Uh-uh. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I believe that's what others are going to say about you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There are people, if we have time, we'll look at that. There are people, Paul calls them consolators. There are people, he calls them load lifters. There are people who cause them, people who lift up the beddings. Because think about it. Your pastor has five school fees to pay. Three hospital bills to settle. Four house rent. He's discussing with the people, telling them I don't have money. And all of that. And it's a bedding. And he's, oh God, make a way. Then God touches your heart. And then you go and say, oh pastor, out of the three children, I'll pay for two. And this one, the person has said, ah, thanks be to God. For his indescribable gift. There are some people when your pastors pray, they don't remember you. And it's not their fault. 
You don't exist. You don't exist. When the Bible says that, let, let's, let's go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 5, 17. Verse 17. The elders who are good leaders should be considered worthy of an ample honorarium. I like how this scripture put it. Put King James there. See how King James was dodging the whole thing. He says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. The word double honor there is not just an honor when you meet your man of God. Say, ah, man of God, sir. That's not it. It's not like, oh, sir. I greet you, man. How does Amanda greet you? I greet you, man. <laughs> okay. So that's not double honor. All right. The double honor there, go to verse 18. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treaded out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. I saw for this guy, I saw for this guy, I saw for this guy, I saw remember this guy. Nanka, or yes, so for the bank for this guy. I always say that people go to training centers two hours, they pay $250. When they go for concerts, thousand, thousand and one smiles or night of laughs. Somebody comes to say nonsense and you are laughing. How many times have you laughed when you came to church? Are you even laughing now? <laughs> See, the Bible says that don't muzzle the ox. Now, that word there in the Old Testament, this one too is, a, is, is law. It's inside the law. Deuteronomy. It's in Deuteronomy. So, the, the cow, the, those days, obetutu ebrua. Now, omaye, the yashishe, shishe, abuana, ano afe ebruno so. Do you understand? Now, some wicked uh, masters. Because then God gave a law. God even thinks about animals. God thinks about animals. So God says that, listen, don't put anything on the mouth of the cow. No. Open the mouth as the ox is treading. Why? Because the laborer is worthy of his reward. Anybody that thinks that a pastor should not be given anything, that person is saying that a cow is more important than a pastor. That's what that's what Paul is talking about. You understand? Huh? You understand? Ah, I don't know, maybe. With all the hula balus in the church. Ten years. You started a church. Somebody, some people say, right now church is the serious business. Who don't want business? Start one. Start one and run it. Get 
different branches. And then be organizing camps, be organizing, have, having fastings, having what have you, and sitting down at the feet of the word of God for how many hours? And then come and tell us the business was successful. Do you know how many people get out of, out of ministry every year? More than 5,000 pastors quit church every year. 5,000. You think it's easy? It, you, how many people were, were called yesterday to come to church? A lot of many virus. Some of you even forget. Now somebody will come, Pastor. My mother is dying. That same time you are coming, somebody says, My father is at the mortuary. Someone says, My this is that, my dad is that, my dad is that. And you think it's brother, come and do some. Or let me just give this chest to you for one month. <laughs> then let's bet. If I come and the numbers have no increase. So the Bible says that don't cover the mouth and see Ojumayenina no. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. This day, pastors, they are celebrating pastor's birthday. They say pastor's birthday. Tomorrow, they say pastor's appreciation. They say we are going to, we are going to the mission's house. Sometimes the monies they give to pastors, I'm taking myself out, but sometimes the money they give to pastors, it does not reach anything. You pay somebody like Papa Eastwood, Eastwood Anaba, his house is full of people and he takes care of all of them. So if somebody gives this money, are simply hearing hundred thousand. There is still a minus in the house. Hundred nasa a new fear and so asa. Do you understand? I'm talking to you about. Yeah. So he said, "Don't cover the mouth of the worker. Don't cover the mouth of the cow. Allow the cow to chew some, so that he will get the energy to keep on treading." So that's what Paul said. First Corinthians nine. Let's start from somewhere around. Um, verse 7. Who go the warfare any time at his own charges? Who planted a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Paul is asking a question. Why not do a fool? A fool not do a ban only be. Huh? Why not do a fool? A fool not do a ban only be. Why? You see, a lot of pastors are not able to defend what people claim against them. Most of them actually also don't learn. That's their problem. It is not a sin for a pastor to get money from church because he cannot go and get it from a farm. Read it. Who go? No, if, if you are a nurse, if you are going to get money, where, where are you going to get money from? At the end of the month, we have Ministry of Education, we have Ministry of Health, we have Ministry of Interior, we have Ministry of Agriculture. Which of the ministries pay you? Why don't you go and take money from Ministry of Agriculture? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. Let's say maybe you are a police officer and you are getting money. It's not Ministry of Health that we're paying you. So the pastor should also go and get work to do and stop taking money from the people of the church. You that you are using your mouth to say that, are you working? Do you come and take money from the church? And the Bible says that don't be offended. Who goes a warfare at any time? 
at his own charges. Or say, why not call Kwa? Police in your Koko Patan to call a Kabakazi kindergarten. Or Koko Patan to call Israel. Now, on one, it's only plain fair. Now, Oria, what only two, not the Abu Baguma Kakokoda. Paul Bissau say, a Hawaiian Bonidina Minti. Right here in the world. Why ne cork one? Yeah, your cork on one and one or the cork. Somebody gathers them. Somebody takes care of them so that they can fight. And I say, Anna say, why ne dear diaba, a diabano, oh nibi. I've a wine so on yang in Pontia. Any, any a friend is saying, on yang Pontini a friend is saying, a, 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 in your team, Richie, any name, all them one be and answer is a rich, but all no rich in me. Why? So you should not get offended that your church takes care of its pastors and the people that works in the church. The people that work in the church. Yanko, next verse. Verse 10. Hey, sorry, verse 8. Say I these things as a man or say not the law the same also. That's why I told you that when it comes to finances, don't quickly say that we are not under the law. So Paul is bringing the law inside. Now, next verse. For it is written in the law of Moses. Did you see that? Those of you who have been in the midweek services, it is written in the law of Moses. I told you that when it comes to money, the law applies. He said, it is written in the law of Moses. Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treaded out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen or say, ah, like it's serious. If I give you the background of this, eh, you will cry. Paul has been walking up and down doing the work of God. And then when he left Corinth, some pastors, some preachers came to preach, like how it is walking around. That when Paul gets money, he spends it on himself. So he's writing that he's writing this to the church. Do you understand? It was a Next verse. Or say that he ate all together for our sakes. He said, for our sakes, no doubt. This is written. That he that plowed should plow in hope. And that he that threshed in hope should be a partaker of this hope. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Say, hey, today we are buying car for pasta. Tomorrow we are doing this. So doing the work, he says that Yeah, Fabi, who came? You understand? So 
that's why I, I said a scripture in a flash on Friday that Abraham went to war with the people that were born in his house. So when you invest into people, you win when you go for battle. Yeah. He never invested in anybody. He never invested in anybody. But you see somebody is in the church. You can, you can see some young people in the church. Eh? Even in this small church, I can see some young people in the church who are very hardworking. They are looking for some capital, be somewhere to start something and to make something. Then I will go and put 3 million Ghana cities in my account. Then it's there. Then I'm going to Canada and back. I'm going to abroad. And the people in the church are suffering. Of course, no. I'm never going to do that. But what are you going to do? You are going to invest in those people. And when finally those people are blessed, what are you going to do? You, because you are giving hope. That's what the Bible is saying. Said you are fun to myself. Just for humanity's sake. No. You put it there and you have a hope that six months from now I will cash out. Here is, here is it. Cash out. It's right there in the Bible. Next verse. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, if I've been preaching to you, I've been praying for you, I've been counseling you, I've been leading you. Some of you, when you have issues, I have to go with you. Oh. It is, is, that's a, is it a great thing if we also reap of your carnal thing? Say, you are praying in languages you don't even understand. So that at the end of the day, there will be an opportunity for Amanda. You are saying things you don't even understand. After doing all of that, Paul says, is it wrong? Is it wrong for you to give a little money to your pastor? Pastor, so back to school. Pastor, back to school. On case of Papa, they have no. Pastor, on case of Kotwa, they have grocery. On case of Lobra, Kalushapa, and they give that thing. He also gives money. So the Bible says, the pastor who stands before you daily, preaching to you, the singers that comes here, they are singing and leading you in worship. The drama, the keyboardists, all the people who are actively doing the work of God. Yesterday, some people did the calling, some people were called. It tells you those who are doing the work of God and those who are receiving the work of God. So those of you who were called, you have to say, ah, these people who are calling, do they need some credit to call us more so you can send them credit? Do you understand what I'm talking about? That's how the work of God is done. Now, Bible said, no one will come and stand here doing all riffs. Sometimes shouting like his head is off. Doing all kinds of gymnastics here. Is it wrong? You know, is it, is it wrong? Is it wrong to say, oh brother, you blessed me today. So I, I'm buying a credit for you. Oh brother, you blessed me today. Did you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's not wrong. Let's finish with it. Next verse. 
If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Then he says, Paul says, nevertheless, we have not used this power, but we suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of God. No, say, Christopher, because but the pastor should not come to that conclusion because of how you would think. I will never come to a conclusion that because you see, when you give, it's an opportunity for you to be blessed. If a pastor says that, oh, don't give to me, I'm okay. I, I, I have everything. I, I, trust me, you people here, whether you give or you don't give, me, I'll live my life big time. Solid. Do you understand what I'm talking about? By you, I am your gift. You are not my gift. So when you give to your pastor, when you give to your leaders, when you give to yourselves, it creates an avenue of blessings for you. Are we together in this place? Uh-huh. So that's what the Bible is saying. Now that is the New Testament kind of giving. I believe I've blessed you. Or oh, I should push a little. Say I'm a giver. One more time. Say I'm a giver. Come on, I'm a giver. Say, I gave. Come on, say, I gave. Say, the Lord multiplies my seed. And he increases my harvest. Let's be upstanding as we close. You just want to lift up your two hands right now. Open your mouth and bless the name of the Lord for the revelation of his word. I have in me the bird. 